BeastNet is brought to you by James Safety Services and in partnership with Beast OCR. Here we discuss all things OCR and fitness related, running, endurance, conditioning, rucking, and more. Welcome to BeastNet. Hey everybody, welcome to BeastNet. Today you've got Brother Boggs hosting in place of Pretty Mike, who's out with uh, something he's got going on. So tonight we've got Allison Ty of Grit Farm OCR. Uh, many of you might know her name from uh, from racing in the Northwest, or if you follow Tough Mudder or Obstacle World Championships, she's kind of been everywhere and uh, and podium quite a few times. So let's just start the show. How are you doing, Allison? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing great. It is a very sunny, wonderful day down here in uh, Washington, and you're just a few miles north, so I'm hoping it's about the same there. Oh, yeah. No, it's been gorgeous. Uh, We actually moved out of the big city of Vancouver and uh, up into the Fraser Canyon, and uh, it's a little bit hotter and a little bit drier, and pretty much every day has been perfect weather. Even when it does rain, it's like a warm shower coming down, so... Um, I'm interested to see what the shoulder seasons and the winters bring, but uh, so far the weather has just been like ridiculously nice every day. Well, you can't ask for anything better when you're out there training. Oh yeah, no kidding. So let's uh, let's tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Uh, who, who's Allie Ty, and uh, what got you into OCR? Oh man, so I um, oh man, this is a long story, but. Basically, I was really not fit, really not into anything remotely athletic growing up. And uh, it wasn't until I went back to college as a mature student that I found cross-country running. And uh, I figured out pretty fast that although I sucked at running short, I was pretty good at suffering. And I could run, you know, pretty steady. I could never be fast. I never will be fast. But I could run pretty steady for like a sustained amount of time. So that's how I got into it. Um, just with cross-country running, and then I started doing some Ironman stuff, and then I actually got hit on the highway on my bicycle, and um, I ended up breaking my back and all this, and it was kind of a slow process back, um, you know, in a long recovery back, back to athletics and where I was, and at that point, I was doing some, like, ultra marathons and things like that in the mountains and really getting into the trail um, side of things, and so... Then I, you know, I broke my back and my hip and my arm and got a ton of nerve damage and stuff and couldn't even roll myself over in bed for like six months. I was in a full body cast. And then um, when I started to get back into it, I started doing more cross training. So, you know, things like CrossFit and just being in the gym and I got my personal training certification. And so I started to kind of dive into different aspects of fitness and I was still coaching running uh, through this entire thing. And I was coaching at this local running store in Vancouver. And um, the owner there had convinced me to do this warrior dash, right? The gateway OCR. And so I did it and I was like, so mad at her. I was like, this is so dumb. I'm a real runner. I am not going to run this like goofy thing. Everybody's eating these giant turkey legs and wearing these silly hats. Um, But I did it. And I kind of was like holding back with the rest of the group with this other girl that I was friends with and we ran together and we're like, you know, this would be really fun if you actually did it like really fast and we could like race each other. And so then we we decided to do another one. And so, you know, then it was the Spartan and then we started to get kind of competitive and push each other. And and so it was really that that kind of spurred it on. Um, And then just the ultra beasts and stuff like that coming out. I was like, Hey, this like really um, is 
for me, right? You're out in the mountains, you're doing all this like functional stuff that I just love. It's like a big adventure day. Um, and so it was really the long distance stuff that I really fell in love with quickly. And uh, I guess I just kind of went from there, right? You do ultra beast, you do world's heaven's mutter, did the uh, OCR world championships um, and uh, the Spartan ultra beast world championships that first year in Iceland. I just saw these like long, gruely, but fun and like, you know, it's really a good way to find what your threshold is and who you are as a person and just kind of really build your character and get yourself able to withstand absolutely anything in life and keep a positive attitude. So I'm just super grateful to have had the experience um, that I've had in really long distance uh, OCR and uh, it's just it's been a lot of fun. Well, that's an awesome story. Um... The long distance running, uh, myself and the other two hosts just uh, started getting into marathons and, and starting to train. We're looking two week, or two years out before we'll get into an ultra beast. I don't know if you saw any pictures. None of us are uh, in the, uh, the lean shape. We're, we're in the shape of round. And, uh, and we've, been, we've been getting better at it. Uh, you know, we've taken, we started out our first marathon, uh, Pretty Mike finished up right around, I think it was nine hours. And then I got him back out uh, back in June and got him down to eight hours. So our goal is to get us down under five hours. And that, that ultra marathon and ultra running is just uh, something that we find amazing when we talk to people who do that. Last, uh, last week or the week before, we actually had a 100-mile um, marathon runner that had done 31 marathons in 31 days to raise money for mental health awareness. That's crazy. Yeah, it's uh, exactly what we told him also, is that that was crazy. 31 marathons in 31 days. Um, so we kind of got a little bit of a background on you. Um, a little while back, you you opened up a, a training gym, and it kind of went through some changes, and, and now you've got the, the farm. You actually have a full working farm now, don't you? Yeah, so we did the indoor um, gym route, and um, there was a bunch of things, you know, like the business partner that I was in with ordered these floors from China because they were on sale, but then it was like this really intense, like, off-gassing that we thought would go away, and it just almost seemed to get worse, um, and then we just, my husband and I both were like, we don't actually want to be inside, so the gym went the Ninja Warrior route, you know, and I was training and racing a lot. Um, and you know, there was just some kind of friction stuff that wasn't, we just had like very different, the guy that I went into business with very different ideologies. Like I'm super into like community building and stuff like that. And he was very much more into the business aspect. And we quickly realized like, this is just not working and this is not where we want to be. Um, so it's hard when you pour your heart and soul into a business, right? But it, I kind of slowly started to move on from that and uh, develop other things. So we started doing, um, actually, my husband builds obstacle courses, and he had long before this. Um, so he goes into the schools, and he actually brings all this obstacle course equipment, sets up these uh, obstacle courses in schools, and, um, you know, does, like, really neat functional sports days and things like that. Um, so we're always doing that. And then we have, like, a little mini setup in our backyard in Vancouver where people would come and train, you know, on the walls and the rigs and all that, so ropes, and we'd have all that set up. Um, but it was squishy in Vancouver, right? And we're like, we need more room. Um, so we moved out here, and so now we're on, like, 98 acres, basically on the side of a mountain. We have a trailhead that I can, like, see right now if I look across my yard that goes into, like, thousands and thousands of acres like you could run basically i don't know if you guys know this 
edge of the Pacific Northwest at all, but you could run from my house, which is in Canyon Alpine, just kind of north of Hope, all the way to Merritt. You could run to Whistler, like on these back, because it was originally a gold rush area, and um, then they developed forestry. So we have all these like little gold rush routes, and it's very, very historic. So it's, it's really neat because there's all these very like established, but as of late, haven't really been um, explored to their fullest and they're just gorgeous. Like, you know, I have neighbors that are like, oh yeah, you know, we'll go hiking or um, cycling or whatever through these crazy paths and you're up on this ridge and it's like, you don't see another person, right? So it's really, really a weird little place that we moved into and it was just kind of happenstance. We weren't looking in the area, um, but we're less than two hours from the lower mainland. And yet it's like, we are absolutely worlds away. Like nobody here even had cell phones or internet. They all had yellow pages. It's just like total loss in the past. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's really remote. It's a really friendly little community. There's this amazing trail system that we back onto and, uh, this just gorgeous farm. It's, it, you know, it needs work. Definitely. It hasn't been uh, shown the love it deserves in the last few years, but my husband and I and our kids have just been working really, really hard to get it up to snuff. And we're setting up a permanent obstacle uh, course here. So we just put a platinum rig up in one of our barns um, today, which kind of is awesome. It fits really well. And, um, you know, some walls and things like that. So we're starting to build out this permanent obstacle course here. You know, where we can train people and just hold events. And it'll be really good, I think, for the community too, right, to kind of get behind these events. And they're really, really excited about it because... Although I don't have a grocery store you can walk to anywhere from my house, I do have two restaurants that are like top-notch on Yelp that I could walk to, right? Because it's an old um, tourism area and then the highway closed down. And so now you have this like super dense tourist area that doesn't actually see that many tourists because we're now on an off-route because they built the Coquihalla. And so this highway's kind of been underutilized now. So it's a really, really interesting area and, and one that I think that we could really make a big impact on um, just in terms of getting people out here and seeing it and exposing people from Vancouver, from Seattle to just new places that they can run and ride their bike. We have a brand new swimming pool, which is crazy to me, just down in this tiny little town. They even have to get lifeguards out from Hope 40 minutes away just to man it because they don't have lifeguards in this itty bitty little town, but they have this brand new outdoor pool. So, you know, we're just hoping to kind of get people out here and just enjoying the nature and everything that this kind of area has going for it that just nobody knows about. It's like the best kept secret in the lower mainland. It's a joke, actually. People in this neighborhood are like, you know, if you're like, I can't believe people from the lower mainland don't know about here. And they're like, Shh, you know, don't say anything. Don't let them know. Um, just as a joke that it is super quiet. You know, there's no regulations. There's nothing. It's just like the Wild West out here. It's pretty neat that such a place exists so close such a big, you know, major center. That That is really cool. Um, a lot of the beasts this weekend, uh, we've kind of partnered up with uh, a family farm down in Randall, Washington, about two and a half, three hours south of Seattle. And, and it's the same thing. It's a big um, couple hundred acre farm right up against the hills and mountains. And, uh, and we had a camp out there this weekend with them, uh, going through and and we're building a permanent race course out on their place too and uh, a couple weeks ago we spoke with uh sandra hansies of uh renegade rage her race series down at her farm that kind of seems to be a direction that that the ocr athletes who are 
who are serious about doing it have been uh, been doing, at least in the Northwest, I'm learning about more and more uh, Claire Painter over in OMAC. Uh, she's got the OMAC Warrior Stampede that she's putting on here in a couple weeks. And, uh, and she got that, uh, she took that over when she got back from being on American Grit, the TV show. Um, because she, she wanted to have her own race. She's got her own farm, the Barefoot Ranch, and uh, and she was saying the same thing. She's going to build a permanent obstacle course out there, too. So at that rate, uh, with the oars, we're going to have, like, four permanent obstacle courses right up here within just a few hours, you know, of Seattle and Vancouver. That is cool. I mean, the marriage just works so well, right? Like, I know for me, um, I took my family, you know, around the world doing races, you know, like Australia and Germany and everything last year. And it was really hard because they want to come and they want to watch me race, but what are they doing the rest of the time, right? So, um, you know, they all are kind of involved, um, even my little ones. Um, they do the kids race and all that, but it's just not. So, like, here we'll have, like, the horses and the petting zoo and, you know, like, different things that the whole family can do, like ponds and riding bikes and just, like, different little games and stuff that the kids can do. And, I mean, we'll have a kid's, obviously, obstacle course as well. Um, but it just makes a lot of sense that people want to go out to nature, you know, and they want to better themselves on their vacations now. It's like the, you know, a lot of people are realizing, like, they don't want to go and sit on a beach, right, and drink. They feel like, and eat junky food. They just feel like crap when they get home, right? So I think more and more people are realizing they want to unplug and get out into nature and, like, move their body and come back to their regular lives is feeling really good. So that's kind of our thing. Um, just, you know, we're setting up a bunch of like those like glamping tents and we have, uh, they already just had a bed and breakfast downstairs in our house here. And we have a bunch of different cabins and stuff like that and RVs, you know, that people can just rent and get away. And they don't even need to do the obstacle course race, like our obstacle courses. We'll just have those up anyways, right? So for our own use. Um, but it just gives people some flexibility in terms of what they're doing um on their vacations and uh yeah just give them something really cool to do when you get because otherwise you know you've always been to those places like you go camping or something and there's like zip to do and it's amazing to be out in nature but people are trying to like oh do i go hiking do i do this so just to have people come and be like okay so we're gonna go for a trail run at this time or a hike up to the mountain it's funny we actually have this like trail behind our house on our property that goes up to this giant cross and it's like three like a cross like a christian cross like three stories high and it's lit up at night on our property but it just overlooks the canyon it's just amazing it's the last owners built in um so it's just it's a very unique little place we have here and uh, it is like it's hard you were saying that it's like a, a farm that butts up against a mountain that's hard like we looked for so long for property where it was like usable farmland and then mountains because it either is like way too rugged and way too steep that the acreage is just not usable because you're like on the side of a mountain that's going to fall on you at any time, or you're like flat and in a sea of other little acreages, right? So it's like the Goldilocks thing, right? When you're looking for a specific place like this is to find the mountain and the usable acreage all together. Because, you know, we have the horses and the goats and the chickens and the dogs, and we need, you know, that aspect. But we really, really, it was so important to be able to, like, reach out and touch the mountains and just have miles of trails to explore. So, um, yeah, it worked out really well, and it's super cool to see that, you know, a lot of other people are down that same path. All right, and now we're going to take a quick pause so we can hear from our sponsors. Do you like challenges that are fun, tough, and might use tacos? 
Head on over to BeastChallenge.com and check out our upcoming events, including Beast's 5K+, a combination of race and endurance event, and the Bucket Mile. Keep an eye on the Beast's OCR Facebook group for event gatherings. For more information, head on over to BeastChallenge.com and the Beast's OCR Facebook group. You'll be glad you did. And we're back. That's that's actually, like I said, it's a real surprise uh, that a lot of people are doing that. But I'm I'm understanding why, because you look at some of these race events that travel around, uh, like Spartan and then Tough Mudder and Rest in Peace Warrior Dash and uh, and Rugged Maniac, all those ones that travel around. And a lot of them use the same venues. Um, I'm sure you've been down to, to the Cloverdale Rodeo stands there in Surrey. Um, for some of the events they do there, and there's only so much you can do in a in a rodeo um, setting with with a race. Um, yeah, they are And we like to have really like we're not we're small potatoes. Like we have this like corn maze race where they run through the corn maze, and so we just have little. But they're always like a hundred people ish, you know, very small. And but that's what we want. Like we don't want thousand person races and stuff like that. That's just not who we are and what we do. Like we're very small potatoes and we're happy to be that way. And it's, you know, the setup, it just, it's hard and it doesn't make a lot of sense to be doing that all the time. You just, you end up losing a lot of money and it's something that we're passionate about. We, we go into it knowingly and you know, that's fine. Like that's something that we take on, but it, it is going to be a lot more fun to be able to throw on these events and have the course already set out because that part sucks, you know, like building the courses and taking them down and then doing the race. And you just don't have the same enthusiasm that you would if you had the course already set up and then you could just put, you know, all the energy into those little details that I think a lot of the major race companies just kind of overlook at this point, right? Like back in the day when you run a road race, even there'd be food after and like free parking and spectators are free and all this. And I'm like, what happened to that? You know, like, why are we not like it just it blew my mind that we were charging spectator fees for the first little while because I was just like, why would you want people to come out and watch the race and then they do it next time, right? Like with trail racing, you'd never see like, oh, spectators, you have to watch to you have to pay to watch these runners, you know, go up and down the mountain. If anything, half the time, you know, at these road races, they're, you know, they're creating these volunteer cheer squad teams just to give the runners more people to cheer for them, right? So that's always just kind of blown my mind. Um, and I've always just been, you know, really hoping that the industry would turn and drop the spectator fees and stuff like that and try to encourage the public to come out and experience it um, just secondhand kind of thing. But We'll see where it goes from there. But I think they lose sight of the details sometimes. And, of course, they do. I mean, it's so hard. It's so expensive to set up an obstacle course race, and people just don't realize, right, which is fair enough. Of course they don't. But um, once you do it, then you're like, okay, I get this, Spartan. Yeah. Like, Warrior Dash, I see why you're tired. Like, it's, it's a lot of work. It really is. And uh, the, the courses that seem to be more permanent built, they seem to get some, some better obstacles, um, ones where, where like yourself or the other ones I mentioned previously, you know, you'll, you'll spend the time and, and come up with just new and exciting things that you just want to try as where the other guys have to be able to pack it up, put it in a cargo container and move it. Exactly. Yeah. And you even see that with the, you know, the big race brands that things are kind of getting smaller um, because the 
OCR communities, you know, it had that huge hype thing, you know, and everybody wanted to go into. And then now that it's shrinking down, I don't think it's going away by any means. But um, just like CrossFit or whatever, there's always that bubble. And then, you know, everybody's like, oh, hey, I'll check that off the list. And I don't want to be electrocuted again so they don't come back. Right. And so now they've had to kind of shrink things down a little bit um, and just make it more packable, which is 100% fair. Right. But um, when you have a permanent course, you do have the opportunity to just build these like ridiculous things or really use the terrain your backyard, you know, like we could throw a rope up the side of that cliff if we wanted to, you know, um, because it's ours. But it, when you're, when you're using a different like facility or venue, sometimes they're like, no, you can't dig here. You can't do this here. So you're really, especially in a place like Cloverdale, which is a rodeo grounds, you're really stuck you know, with a fixed set of parameters and you're not when it's your home course. So it should be really fun. I'm excited to get into that. Um, like I say, we haven't done as much, but now we're starting to get to that point where we're throwing the obstacles down and just kind of envisioning where we're going to put that, which is really, really fun. So that being said, do you have any dates planned for any campouts or races next year yet? Um, well, we're kind of roughly toying with the idea of doing something um, just for, like, our immediate community for the, like, New Year's Eve kind of thing. Uh, but if not for sure, by next spring, we're going to be kind of up and locked and loaded. We'll have, like, all the giant tents up for people to come and stay and the bed and breakfast thing set up and all that. And, of course, we'll definitely be up and just some different, like, toys and games and things for people to play uh, with. So that'll all be for sure in the spring, but, you know, we may do a few more events before then. We're, we're comfortable enough right now that we could have people come in. Um, it was a bit crazy, of course, when we first moved in, but uh, we're definitely getting settled, and now we're thinking about uh, the next season. And so we're going to sit down with the calendar and look at where the other races are and things like that and try to plug in a few of our own events um, so that we can get that on people's calendars this year. And then we'll just be open all the time for people that want to come and spend the weekend or spend a night or a week or a month or whatever it is. Um, and then, you know, we'll have different accommodation options. So I think that's going to be fun too. So it'll be a nice, cause you know, right now I'm doing all of my training online, which I love, 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 because it's just like, I am in people's lives like 24 seven. Um, you know, you have people texting you at 10 at night being like, oh, you know, this is my, and it's, you know, it's other things, not just training. So it's like you're, you really get intimate in people's lives and that, and I really love that. But it, it should be a nice balance, I think, to have this like in-person interaction back um, and then have my online stuff. So it's, it's both areas that I love, and I think they'll complement each other really nice. But I am excited just to have people come out and, and put on these live events and stuff like that, because there's nothing like the energy um, from seeing people just, you know, complete obstacles that they never thought they could or just, you know, nail a goal or not think like they can go on. And then, you know, they do one more lap or whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, I'm just, yeah, very honored and very grateful that I can, I can uh, do these things and be a part of other people's fitness journeys in such like an intimate way, right? Yeah, as a, as a personal coach there, um, yeah, I saw when you were doing a lot of the live videos and stuff, uh, talking about coming back from injury or, you know, stuff like that. And then you also, um, you're doing an online uh, prep for World's Toughest Mudder, I think I saw also, right? Yeah, that just started September 1st, so it's just day two now. Uh, but yeah, that's cool because, you know, again, I do a lot of like the one-on-one -on -one stuff and it's more like it's very much a group thing, right? So it's like, okay, this is what you're going to run if you're doing 25 miles, 50 miles, 75 miles. If those are your goals, this is what you run. And not everybody is doing well, Tough as Mudder. 
Um, but it just gives people like, okay, so if I'm doing 25 miles in 24 hours, I have to do three miles today and 10 pull-ups or whatever it is, right? Um, and then they have like their strength component, their mobility component, and then they have like, it's either like nutrition or recovery or how to get better sleep or just like a mental tidbit. So they always have like those aspects and then running form as well. So it's like everything all, like all these things that I've been working on with people and in different like clinics and different settings and programs. And then I just kind of amalgamated them and put them all together under this like world toughest mother training umbrella. And it's been something that has been kind of stewing in my head for a few years, right? Because it's always like, okay, so just run a ton of miles and do a ton of pull-ups. And it's like for something like World's Toughest Mudder or an Ultra Beast or whatever, that doesn't quite do it, right? There's that whole other aspect that people just aren't touching on and that you learn over time as an endurance athlete. Um, but it's a slow process and it's like gathering, you know, from here and there and putting it all together. And that's a long, arduous journey. So if you can like as much as you can pull from somebody else that's done it, right. And that's really all it is, is just pulling all these little cords together. Um, there's just a ton, a ton, a ton of stuff that I can do there. So it's just, it's been really fun. And it's something that I've been planning in my head for a long time, but just haven't had the time to do. And this year I'm like, okay, so now, you know, I have all these different programs. Now it's time to click them all together and to put something forward for people so that they can take it to World Stuff as Matter. And that should be really, really cool just to watch, you know, how the team goes out and how many of them actually hit their goals. And, you know, if that, like, mental, nutrition, recovery, that aspect, running form, all that stuff that people don't usually include in their training, if that helps them out, that's going to be that's gonna be a really neat little experience, experiment you know, because it's something that I believe, but maybe it doesn't help. Maybe it's just, you know, running the miles and doing the pull-ups or whatever it is. Um, but, and I have a lot of technique work, right? So it'll be like just different, like weird things that I've used to like get people able to climb a wall or, you know, be able to do funky monkey. So it's not just like, oh, you're just going to hang from a bar and do pull-ups. It's like, okay, so you're going to do these things with your hands and hook your heel here and then spin or like just making them do really weird things in the gym, but things that is like you get the technique and the feel in your body so that you can complete these obstacles. So there's just a lot of different aspects to this program. It might sound a little crazy and it's almost hard to explain just because there's so many pieces, but it's almost like in my head, it's just putting those pieces together for people so they can use that and take that and add it to that training program. So you have those multiple layers on it. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely correct on the, the fitness and the mental prowess where the nutrition really comes in on those longer races and you're trying to make those, make those personal goals on those type of races. Uh, you know, myself, I started working after 39 years on this planet, I'd never gotten involved in any type of, of group workout or functional training up until this last year. And I started working with uh, coach Brandon Chin out of uh, Spartan SGX out of Bothell, Washington. And and just talking with him, texting with him. Oh, I was just saying, I'm a big Brandon Shin fan. He is awesome. Yeah, I, it's a real funny story. So my wife actually worked with him like 15 years ago when he was straight out of high school. He was working for an auto parts store, and she was actually his manager. And uh, a little while back, early beginning of this year, end of last year, I don't remember which, we had a, what we call a, a beast uh, – Beast Connection Seminar, where we brought together some of the, the Beast OCR team, and it was a, a seminar on travel light, travel cheap, get your free races, and it was put on by Brandon. And as soon as, as, soon as we walked into the, the place that was hosting it, 
my wife and him instantly had a connection because they knew each other and and it made it a lot easier up until that point she'd been kind of sitting in the back seat going i don't know but what, what, what is this junk that you guys are doing and i don't get it i don't i don't want to be involved and then as soon as uh as soon as she saw brandon there and met jody it was just immediately over she was ready to go we've been to you know, montana portland all over um with spartan and other races um just because she likes going out and hanging out with brandon and jody and all them so brandon has been a big change in my ocr game awesome yeah he's a he's a great guy and a good mentor right um and just kind of a a really good guiding light in terms of putting all those pieces together like i was talking about um and just connecting the whole community right like he really brings everybody in so I can see how, um, you know, he, he just, it's amazing if you think about the amount of influence that he's had around just people, like people that maybe even three people back, right? He, he inspires somebody, maybe directly, maybe indirectly. They inspire, like, it just spiders out. It's just, it's just mind-blowing to think about how much influence um, one person can have. It, it really is. And, uh, and when it comes to the racing community, yeah, I've only been personally, I mean, I, I did my first Warrior Dash because oddly enough, Warrior was my intro to this uh, four years ago. And and I did my first Warrior Dash and it was with a couple of friends from work. And and afterwards, I was like, that was a lot of fun. Let's do it again. And then I found the Beast OCR team and I started connecting with people on there. And of course, I don't know if you've ever met Pretty Mike. He's the, the long haired guy that uh, that's always traveling with the Beast OCR team. And and him and I went to preschool together, you know, 37 years ago. Wow. And and so he he actually gave me my first Spartan race. He's like, well, you know, I know you like Rugged Maniac. I know you like Warrior Dash and some of these other locals. Why don't you come to a Spartan with me? And and he loves the, the thing where he says, give me an obstacle. I'll figure out a way to overcome it. And he says, come to a Spartan. And I say, oh, man, Spartan, that's just way too much money. You're paying five times as much for the same thing you can get for a $20 Groupon. And he's like, no, it's very yeah. different. Here, let me give you a code, and you come out and do it. And so I came out and did my first Spartan, and then I had to come back and sign up for a whole bunch more. Right. And it's amazing how the, the whole atmosphere and the direction of my life actually changed at that point when I got involved in OCR because you know, at that point I was pushing almost 270 pounds, and I'm only 5'10". That's a lot of weight to carry on a small frame, and – getting into the Spartans, getting into all the other OCR stuff, getting into my first organized workouts, you know, twisting and bending my body into shapes that I didn't think it would ever get twisted into in order to complete an obstacle. And and now, you know, I'm I'm down, I'm about 235 right now, but uh, the difference in the makeup of my body is very different. There's a lot more muscle and a whole lot less fat. And that's all because of racing and because of getting involved with a coach, uh, you know, similar to you. You're a, a great coach, it sounds like, and, and talking with Charity and some of the others about the the program that you've been putting together. You know, it sounds like you've been given really good life direction also with your team. Yeah, I mean, that's what good coaches do, right? You just don't throw out a training program and hope for the best, right? Um, there's always that extra component, right, that, you know, that's, that's really what a, a good coach does, you know. I'm a serious, firm believer in that it's not. And I wouldn't want to just throw out training programs, right, and have no, like, give and take. Like like I say, like, I'm in people's lives. I know 
so much stuff about each one of my athletes that I feel like I'm almost in a lot of ways, the only person that knows them that well, right? Like, cause I get to see all sides of them and I'm just really honored that I get to, you know, get to figure out life with them, right? And kind of help them to, um, you know, in a lot of ways, it's like, we'll have like talks on eating disorders or like all these like really deep stuff that people are like scared to bring out to the world. And yet they let me in, right? And I get to be a part of like, figuring out how to make their lives better and, um, you know, assist them in making better decisions and, and ones that align better with their goals. And that's just, that's huge, right? Is just to be that person, right? So it's not only like sharing successes in their like amazing race that they just had and they just took 10 minutes off their 5k time or whatever it is, right? Like that's, that's amazing stuff, right? And it feels so good as a coach, but then there's little things even that you see where, somebody's just been like super negative about themselves their whole lives or something. And they get this pattern. And so you're really trying to work with them to kind of see the amazing person that they are. And then you just see it like little and little that they're just growing and they're, they're able to appreciate how amazing that they are because they see themselves through, they start to see themselves through your eyes. Right. So it's those kind of impacts as a coach, which is just like, that's, amazing, right? That gets me out of bed in the morning. That, that's awesome to, to hear about that kind of story. And, and I, like I said, I've talked with a couple of people that either have been trained by you or, or interacted with you um, in different ways. Uh, and, and every one of them just kind of said the same thing that, that, you know, Coach Alley is going to get you through whatever your obstacle is in life. You know, it may not even be on the course from what I understand. It's just the obstacle in life. So it's just awesome to hear that oh, about you. And I mean, there's just so much overlap, right, between life and racing, right? You go through the same problems everywhere, right? It's like once you conquer something in your mind, off course or on course, it transfers, right? There's you're just you're changing as a human being. You're getting stronger and you're getting more able to meet obstacles, whether it's on course or off course or whatever, right? It's, it's cheesy, but it is totally like the whole Spartan obstacle immunity thing. Um, there's a lot of truth to that, right? And as cheesy as it is, it is absolutely correct. And I see it every day, you know, that people just develop this obstacle immunity on the course or in life and it transfers. Yeah, um, you know, I've been watching a lot of Joe DeSina's, uh little blurbs and and listening to some of his podcasts, and and you just you hear it over and over from him, just just Spartan up and do it. You know, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's on the course or in life or whatever. You know, you're just you're just a human being. Everyone's got problems. You can just Spartan up and get over it. And then that's what you know. Myself, every race I try to add another obstacle that I couldn't do before. So when I first started, you know, I was big and round and, you know, walls. I couldn't do walls by myself. I always had to have somebody help me over the walls. Now I'm down to the 10-foot walls, about the only one I can't get over on my own. I need somebody's shoulder to get me up high enough to grab it. But, you know, now I can do the 7 and the 8-foot, and, you know, I was never able to do that before. And the next race, you know, I've been practicing working on vendor because I'm going to be at uh, Spartan here this weekend, uh, <laughs> forgetting the calendar there, but wow. uh, I'll be at Spartan, Spartan, Seattle, and I'm sure they'll have Bender there. 
and Bender is one that uh, that intimidated me last year and at the beginning of this year. And you know, my goal for for this Saturday is to get up and over Bender. And if I got to sit there all day long at that one, I'm going to figure it out. And more than likely, yeah. Coach Brandon will show up and give me what I need to get over it because that's what he did uh, in Montana. I was racing with Jody and. Coach Brandon comes up uh, running with this group of trainees, and he's like, all right, Jody, we're going to get you up over this. And he just kept talking her through, talking her through until she got up and over. And, you know, after she got down, she was, you know, crying because she couldn't believe she finally had done it because it was one that she had personally had a lot of trouble with. And that particular race at, at Spartan, Montana, you know, the elevation was getting you, everything was getting you, and I think Bender was about eight, nine miles in to the beast. So it was not – not an easy point to be there and then just poof here's brandon to talk you over it oh yeah it's funny when you're at the uh tahoe remember when they had monkey in the middle so it was uh twister monkey bars twister like almost all the women fell off it and yancy told me that um so i'm on the yancy roster he's my coach and i'm running along and uh i see him and i'm like oh now i can't fail the obstacle because it's yancy right and this guy is just like the most He's like a ray of sunshine, just like blasting in concentrate form right at you. Um, so I was just fingers by the end of that obstacle, but I made it across. And I swear to goodness, if he wasn't there yelling at me the entire time, there's just no way. But um, it's funny how some people just have that ability. And he has this like uncanny, super unique ability to just make you feel like you can do anything, you know, and it's partly because that's who he is. And, you know, he's overcome so much in life and he's just the strongest, like littlest dude, but he's just so mentally and physically strong and just has so much, you know, enthusiastic, emotional presence, let's call it, that uh, it's just infectious. And there's just not an obstacle. I don't think he could complete if he's around because he's, he's able to like, you know, make anybody do anything with just his like, over-the-top enthusiasm. Yep. Um, so a question for you. This year, this has kind of been a, a, a year off from racing. I didn't, haven't seen too much from you this year posting about races. Is that kind of what it's been, is getting into the yeah, farm, no, getting settled in? And... Exactly. Yeah, this year is 100% off. And I, everybody's like, oh, did you do that on purpose because of the toughest series? Uh, but it was just well-planned, right, that um, just ended up working out that way. I knew before World's Toughest Mudder that, I was going to take a year back and just kind of focus on the kids and moving and all that. So um, that's been been my thing this year. Um, so I will be doing some stuff next year probably, um, but less, you know, like I did a good run there. I started, what, OCR in 2011, and after about 2014, I was like racing somewhere almost every weekend, usually like twice, you know, two-day races and stuff. And it, yeah, I could probably do it, absolutely, if I was, like, single and didn't have kids. And But it's just, you know, the kids are getting older, and it's time for me to just kind of, like, back up a little bit and do more of that. But for sure next year, um, I'll be doing more, like, local races and stuff like that. It's just this year has, uh, has pretty much been a write-off and just time to focus on other things, which is just super well-planned in my life, too, because I had been doing that a lot. And I'm not, like... You know those people that, like, if they can't work, it's like they lose their mind. They just can't. But for me, there's so many aspects 
you know, of who I am and what I'm doing and what I'm excited and passionate about that, you know, if I can't race, it's like, whatever, like, I love racing. It's fun. You know, I love the people, love, love, love the community. I love to be around the people and all that, but I can take it, you know, and then put it down for a year and come back and pick it up and be okay because I just have so much other stuff that I'm doing um, and so much other stuff that I'm passionate about. And one of those things is definitely just hanging out with my kids this year. So I'm really just putting all my energy into that and, and kind of developing the farm and getting the uh, the business kind of thing set up here and then uh, and then clients, right? Um, so luckily I'm able to still almost race since I can live vicariously through all of them and not have to do the travel. Um, which, which has been just absolutely awesome. But, um, yeah, next year I'll probably at least do a couple of things. Maybe I'm thinking even like a road marathon. That's something I haven't done for a while. And then some, you know, local OCRs. I'll probably end up doing some of the races here and stuff, um, just to kind of test them out. Um, but yeah, yeah, it should be, uh, should be fun next year to slowly get back into it. But it's also been really nice just to take the year off. Yeah. To go from last year, um, yeah, you, know, you podium quite a bit, and it wasn't just in in the world's toughest mutter or tough mutter. I saw there's a pentathlon and some other non non OCR where where you just yeah you know, looked like you just had a, a great year to to take a year back and, and reflect on it afterwards and and spend time with family. From what I know. Yeah, yeah, the pentathlon was actually early in this year, and. Uh... I planned to train a lot more for it. <laughs> I didn't train that hard. Um, so it's like a really weird sport. And the only reason I heard about it was because they were going to add obstacle course racing, right, and get into the Olympics with pentathlon. I was like, what kind of a crazy sport is that? It's like fencing, uh, show jumping on a horse, but you've never met the horse before. They just give it to you, and then you have to, like, go and jump this course with it, swimming, and then running and shooting. And uh, so those were the five sports. And, like, it seems like a really random class of things, but it's actually they were trying to way back find out who's the best soldier. So it's kind of ironic they call it modern pentathlon because at this point it's really not all that modern. Um, but uh, so it's, it's a really, like, because, you know, to be good at fencing and then riding a horse and then running and swimming, like, there's a lot of different aspects there. Um, and I grew up riding horses and show jumping, so I'm like, okay, I have that. And then um, running, obviously, I can do. And then the swimming, I used to be a triathlete. So I just really had to learn how to fence, uh, which was really challenging. So I got my butt handed to me in the fencing. Um, and so I was way, uh, so I won the swim, and then I got my butt handed to me in the fencing. And that put me way back. Um, and so I went into the run. And so at that, so each one is very separate. And then at the very end, they let whoever's fastest go. So they held me back, like, so long. <laughs> Just let me go for the run because I just got stabbed repeatedly in the fencing rounds. Um, but then I just like literally just ran everybody down. I couldn't even shoot the target for the life. We were shooting to the sun. Nobody was hitting the mark except for like the best um, shooters. But that certainly wasn't me. Um, so they time me out every single round because if you don't make your three shots or whatever it is, they time you out and you get to run. So I was pretty much just doing 400 meter repeats uh, with a 50 second break. So thankfully I can run decently. So I caught up, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a really, really fun sport. I can see why it's not really big. Cause I don't know who does those things or who has the resources. Like it's not really cheap to fence and ride horses and swim. I mean, you need a lot of, it's not like a pair of running shoes, right. That you just head out your door. So very complicated sport, but it was really fun. And it's a lot like OCR just because it's like constantly like weird new things that get thrown at you and all these, you know, you have to be good at 
so much different stuff and then have that like mental piece to hold it all together. So it did remind me a lot of OCR and it was a lot of fun. I'd like to do it again for sure. Yeah, that uh, it, it is kind of like OCR because like with the shooting, you had to do a, a, a run each time you timed out. And, and with, you know, OCR, if you, depending on which brand you're with, either you have penalty burpees, penalty laps, or must complete op- obstacles. So there is a, a very similar with that. And then the whole idea of going from fencing to horses to, to running and shooting, they just don't seem to, to mix as something that uh, that I would see myself ever doing. And and seeing that you did that, it was just like, wow, that's a really strange mix to, to get out there and do. Yeah, and that's totally what attracted me to it. I'm like, what a strange, random mix of skills, you know? And uh, I feel like that's probably what brought me into OCR too, right? Being like, oh, wow, you have to be able to, like, climb walls and do rigs and carry stuff. And, you know, it's like, it's a lot more dynamic than, say, going for a run, swimming, and biking, right? So, like, you just have to be, like, really good at exercising, right, to be a triathlete. Like, my husband always makes fun of me because I was a triathlete and I was really into it. Uh, but it's very, very, you just keep going forward, right? And you have to be like an aerobic powerhouse to be good at triathlon. And there are various, like swimming, obviously, that is a very, very, very skill-based. So there is that, but it's just not, you know, it's so much more dynamic than, say, just running on the road. So much more, right? So much more interesting that way. But then OCR, pentathlon or something like that just takes it to another level, just in terms of having to be, you know, like a very diverse athlete and have like a very wide range of skills that you have to bring in. Yeah, that's uh, definitely something, uh, something there. Um, triathlons, oddly enough, that's on, uh, on my 2020 uh, list where we're going to beast net. Uh, the three of us are going to get out and, and do a, a triathlon sprint, which is a much shorter version of the, the triathlon. And, uh, you know, so far, two of the three of us sink like rocks. So the swimming aspect is something that we're we're trying to figure out. <laughs> Any advice on that one? Yeah, you can't win a triathlon with the swim, but you can definitely lose the triathlon with the swim. Like if you start off just uncomfortable in the water, even if your swim time's slow, as long as you make the cutoff, you're fine. But if you're uncomfortable in the water and you're like risk of drowning the entire time, um, it's just really um, an unpleasant experience. So, you know, you don't have to be fast in the water, but try to get as comfortable as you can. Um, but yeah, I'm really into like checking out freestyle swimming and stuff like that. So if you guys need any help with that, I have a few of my clients now that are doing Ironman, half Ironman, some of them doing sprints, things like that. Um, so I've, it's been fun because I've really got to like, I, I was actually one of the first NCCP triathlon lawn coaches in Canada as in this like pilot program that they did way back in Calgary in like 2006 or something. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, it was, a you know, usually the NCCP, I don't know if you guys know that one. It's like the Canadian um, certification for like sports. It's like all the Olympic sports fall under this umbrella of coaching and um, anywho, so triathlon came up and I was, a, I was very intense and very, um, very technique oriented for the swim. And, uh, it's very, very in depth. So I got, I got to the point where I was like a super freestyle swim nerd. And, uh, so it's been really fun going back to my old like triathlon programming days and particularly like teching 
on the swim and figuring out like, okay, so, you know, you're dropping your elbow here or you're not finishing here or, you know, your timing is off or just like, there's so many little intricacies. So as much as swimming or triathlon, I kind of joke about it being just very much like about being able to go forward and having a huge aerobic engine. There is like the aspect of the swim. It's really, really, really easy to, um, it's, it's not about strength, right? You see these like eight-year-old girls in Australia where I learned to do freestyle and they just like fly girls. Like I'd be doing my like speed sets. They'd be doing their warm up and they're twice as, you know, they're out and back in the pool twice as fast. I am like these little, little kids. And it's not because they're strong, right? It's just because their technique is on point because they've been swimming, you know, at a high level since they were like two, right? Because Australia is so big into um swimming but um so there's all these like little aspects and i love nerding out on them so if you guys ever want help just let me know and uh, i can definitely like there's some of them it's just like these little tweaks where they're like oh you know and like there's so many drills that you can use and i'm not i'm not into doing drills for the sake of doing drills like you need to be able to running swimming doesn't matter cycling you need to be able to use that drill to make the movement better so i'm really into like using drills to fix issues and then bringing it into the swim which I think is important. And it's a good thing for even OCR athletes to, cause there is swimming. There's a ton of swimming in OCR. And uh, as long as it's the same with triathlon, as long as you're comfortable in the water, provided you don't want to win the race. Um, but it, it does make a big deal to be comfortable in the water versus feel like you're drowning and your rest of your race, you know, goes out the window because there's no way you can keep your heart rate down while you're swimming. If you feel like you're drowning. Yeah, a lot of the OCRs, uh, at least the ones that I've been paying attention to, you're also swimming in just shy of a frozen pond like Tahoe or um, West Virginia. Sounds like it was fairly cool, but it was still the warm months. But uh, but everybody I've talked to about the, the Tahoe where they're having the championships is that swim is just the, the killer for everybody there because it's freezing cold water and it just shuts down your body. Yeah, plus awesome. the fact that you're swimming. Yeah, like the dunk wall at the top so cute and then you run downhill into the wind and then you get to that lake swim so it's like it's just like an evil mix of things but so yeah if you're not comfortable in the water and you try to swim in icy cold water it's gonna get real uncomfortable fast but for me like I hit it I'm freezing cold and you know like I hate my life but I never feel like I'm gonna drown because I feel like comfortable enough in the water so I feel like that's the point that an OCR athlete at least needs to be at where you're comfortable enough that um, when you hit really icy cold water, you're not afraid you're going to drown. Yeah, that uh, that's something that, uh, you know, originally we, uh, our, our group was supposed to be down at Tahoe here in a few weeks, and uh, and it's not going to work out for us, but uh, that was something that, uh, that we're all kind of looking at and uh, and going, man, swimming is, is not, not our thing. <laughs> cold swimming is going to be even worse. And... Uh, yeah, and that was that wasn't what stopped us. There's actually some other outside influences. Uh, Pretty Mike uh, went and did the the Spartan tri- trifecta down in Hawaii, and he came back with with mangled feet. Which it's been two weeks, and he's still not wearing shoes. So, you know, that's oh, something that oh. uh, yeah, he sent me way too many pictures of his feet, uh, and, and they definitely. Uh, <laughs> He definitely mangled them, but that was that was his last big chance to get Hawaii, so he made sure and got it. Wow, way to go, pretty Mike. Way to tough it out. Yeah, that was definitely it. Uh, looking at what was left of his feet afterwards, uh, he definitely put in at least the entire sprint 
with his feet on fire because there was nothing left of the skin. So um, give him a couple more weeks and uh, hopefully he'll be fully up and running again. Uh, I think he's planning on doing the the Seattle Beast um, because he has to get one more beast to get his double trifecta this year. He's uh, been really big into Spartan and and every year there's something that keeps him away from getting getting his triple and uh yeah this year he's he's looking to just close out the year with a double uh, myself you know i got my first trifecta this year and i'm running an extra beast just because i was so i was defeated but i finished the montana beast so now i need to get back out there and run another beast so that i feel better about my performance in a beast and of course i have to go back to montana and redo that one because I can't have a, a ten and a half hour um, beast being my best at a Montana event. Yeah, no kidding, right? So looking forward, the rest of this year you're going to finish setting up the uh, setting up the farm and uh, continue training your team. Um, you have any? You, you said you're looking at some local races next year. Is there anything that you kind of penciled in? Maybe traveling south of the border in April and saying hi to us in uh, in Seattle or anything or Anything like that on the, the docket? Funny. Actually, yeah, we actually booked the trips to head out there for both of the um, the Spartan events. But, uh, yeah, we, I mean, we were hoping to, but uh, we'll see for this year, actually. But um, it, there's, uh, I love the venue. I love the people. So I think if there's going to be any race um, that I do next year, it's definitely going to be Seattle. So um, And the Seattle Tough Mudder is just amazing, too. It's one of my favorite courses. Um, which is a really fun time. A lot of the a lot of the Tough Mudder community shows up, so that's another one that uh, it's actually funny because people are like, "Oh, you're from Canada. Why do you keep going to Seattle?" And I'm like, "It's so close compared to like even driving to Alberta, right, to Red Deer or whatever. It's just way closer in Seattle, and then the venues are awesome. Um, and obviously, since uh, U.S. Uh, Spartan took over Canada, they're going to be under the same umbrella, but definitely you saw a difference in terms of the quality of the race as well, right? In Seattle versus in Canada, just historically Seattle's just been like super top-notch production and best obstacles and all that. So, um, but yeah, you'll, you'll definitely see me in Seattle again. I just don't know when that's going to be. It's tough too, because we have like bears and cougars and stuff. Um, so we've been setting up perimeter fences and all that, but I'm still a little bit paranoid leaving um, the animals here just in case, you know, we have to run off a bear in the middle of the night or something like that. I always just, yeah, weird paranoia, but uh, I'm always just terrified a bear is going to break in and eat all of our pets. <laughs> that's, uh, that's definitely something that you get in the wilderness. Uh, down here in the city, we don't get much of that. Uh, you know, Tough Mudder, Seattle, um, I, I forgot to bring that up. Uh, BeastNet, we're actually getting out there. That's going to be our first, for all three of us, that's going to be our first Tough Mudder. Out of all the races we've done, we've avoided Tough Mudder, mostly because Pretty Mike's afraid of electricity. And, uh, yeah. and we, look forward, we look forward to getting out and finally doing it over there in Black Diamond. Um, and I believe Charity's coming down, and I think Melissa was coming down. There's a handful of uh, of the team from from north of the border coming down. Um, it'd be real cool to to meet more of them and see them again, because um, we don't see each other often enough, being so far apart but yet so close. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, it's a good team down here, and it's it's nice that we have that kind of sisterhood going. All right, and now we're going to take a quick pause so we can hear from our sponsors. 
like what you hear, make sure and subscribe and review us on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you're using YouTube, please click the little red subscribe icon, then click the little bell for notifications of future episodes. And if you could, give us a thumbs up. And we're back. And then the uh, the Tough Mudder, um, their event is is different from Spartan. I've, I've heard people talk about it more than once where where Spartan is a lot of individual effort and pushing yourself as where Tough Mudder, a lot of the obstacles are actually designed to where you can't complete them alone or you have to try excruciatingly hard to get through the obstacles if you're trying to do it alone. Um, is that something that you kind of yeah. learned? No, so 100%. They try to make some of the obstacles in Tough Mudder require teamwork and camaraderie. That's their whole thing, tougher together, right, that people have to uh, to work together to complete obstacles. And Spartan adds very much like, you know, in the open ways, you can help each other and things like that. But it's very much the course is built to see who's the fastest, right? Um, so it's a yeah. totally different mentality. That And it was kind of funny how the Tough Mudder had that race series then where you're, like, helping people, but they're your competitor. But I found that dynamic really cool as well, right? That, you know, the the end goal, yeah, is to win, but you want to get there as ethically as possible and helping as many people as possible, and then you would feel good about your victory. So it's like there's that parallel that we were talking about earlier in terms of life, right, that – yeah, the goal is to do well and to succeed and to achieve your goals, right? But the big goal is to help everybody else along the way, right? So there was that, it was weird, right, with the Tough Mudder um, race series, but there was that kind of like, you know, symbolism or something. Um, and there was this kind of like pride in helping other people and like just being a good person over even like being a good athlete. And I thought that was kind of neat. But uh, no more. Now they're back to uh, the way it was. And it definitely makes a lot more sense now. But uh, I do kind of miss that, like, really interesting aspect of it where it was a race, but it was based on camaraderie still. Yeah, I saw, I don't remember if it was in your feed or just when I was watching the races last year. Um, and I think it was a tough mutter where where it was like you and Lindsay Webster were, were racing and then she stopped or you stopped to help people over a wall and and whatnot. It was just one of those, even though it's a race, it's a team. Yeah. Oh man. It was funny because, uh, we thought that the first two people, Rose and, uh, Mel, Mel, no, were over the other side of the wall. And then Lindsay and I, and somebody else were running together with a rail. Yes. Lindsay, me and Ray were running together. And then Lindsay got up over, so then she pulled me over, and then we both pulled Ray over, and we didn't realize that there was the other two girls on the other side, but she, when she turned around, she saw them, so not only did she pull us over, but she ran while Ray and I were getting down and took the other girls up over the wall, and it was just like, oh, my goodness, and I guess Bon Ray's husband got that on video, and it it went viral, obviously, and she was so embarrassed. She's like, that's just what we do in Tough Mudder, because she's just the most humble, amazing person, and like, that's just, like, th- they, they caught that moment on video, but that's 100% who she was. Like, she would stop at Blockness and help every single person out of the water before she went on. And she still won most of the events, right? But uh, she's just, like, on camera, off camera. It's like, that just was, like, the epitome of who Lindsay was, which I thought was really cute and really awesome that that video got out. But you could tell at the same time she was, like, super embarrassed because she was like, that's just what we do in the tough letter. 
Oh man. And she didn't want to be like, you know, set up as this example when it was just the tough mother spirit that was being shown. But she, she definitely, like I was saying, that weird little dynamic in the race series that was built on camaraderie, she totally epitomizes that. Like that's a hundred percent who she is essentially. That's awesome. And, you know, I, I look forward to seeing that out on the course. Like I said, we're doing, the three of us are going out doing our first uh, Tough Mudder and uh, we're probably going to run Mike and back, Mike back and forth over and over again through the, what do they call that, the electroshock or whatever, and just keep running him back and forth until he's not afraid of getting zapped anymore because, you know, that's, that's the thing that he kept talking about is that one obstacle is what was keeping him out of it. And as soon as, as soon as Warrior Dash canceled everything, that, that took, that entire race weekend was open for him and there was no more excuses. So he just had to sign up, especially with uh, the discount or the free race, whatever it was that Tough Mudder offered to all the, the Warrior participants, uh, you know, as a, as a thing to, to say thanks for uh, being with our, our competitor that we want to see on our course now. So we finally took that obstacle away, and uh, and Michael's going to get out there and uh, and finally conquer a tough mutter. Which myself, I've been looking at him. I've been looking at the obstacles. It's just like, man, I I really want to get out there and do that. You know, myself, I've been pushing into some of the endurance. I've been doing uh, weight carries on my on my jogs and runs, trying to to build up my endurance. Uh, a couple of the beasts. Just did the the Go Ruck Star course, which is a the 50 mile carry, and you know mm-hmm. that's the stuff where myself I see myself going. Um, and honestly, next year when when you get up to to hosting, um, you know, I have to grab my trailer and grab Mike and Kyle and and head up that way and check out your races because you know everybody talked about the Corn Maze race and the Amazing Race, uh, Amazing Race, and uh, just how awesome it is. And and I know the three of us want to get up there and experience that. And uh, with your setup up there, we'll be able to bring our family up too. Yeah, exactly. I hope they like ponies and goats and chickens. And, you know, my kids definitely, that's all they do is climb trees and play with the animals these days. So um, I do really feel like here there's something for anybody. And we're always just uh, really excited to show that off and have people come out and hang out with our little family and, you know, meet theirs and have fun and just, you know, enjoy this amazing place that we get the uh, privilege of tending to. Yeah. Um, so we're coming up on the, on the one hour mark and that's usually where we try to, to keep the length. Um, kind of feel like we got to know you pretty well talking with you about racing and stuff. What would you say to anybody looking to do their first OCR or to get more involved in the OCR world? Uh, what would you say to them? I say just go and do it. Like a lot of people are like, no, no, I need to be like 110 pounds and fit into spandex. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like just go out there and do it. There's, you know, you go into an open wave, you go into a tough mutter, you are not alone. Like, and you will see examples of people that are not, you know, cookie cutter fitness, getting it done. And that's a hundred percent what it's about. It's just getting it done and getting out there and experiencing something. Right. And you don't have to be super fit for that to happen. That's how it happens. So just, you know, do the training, obviously, if you can and uh, be as prepared as you can, but you know, even at the top level, nobody's as prepared as they want to be. So just get out there and enjoy it and do what you can. And, you know, just, you know, do your best. 
that's all it is. And then you'll just get better and better from there. Keep working on your weaknesses. And uh, yeah, pretty soon it'll come along. And that's the, that's the magic of it, right, is not being able to do things perfectly. If you went out on course tomorrow and you were 100 pounds and could wear spandex wonderfully and did everything, like, perfect and, you know, are that, like, picture of what you have in your mind maybe of that top-level OCR athlete, well, that would kind of suck, right, because you'd never get that, like, feeling of achievement because it would all just be so easy. So just be grateful that you get to struggle right now and that it's not perfect and that your journey is not perfect. Um, and then you will appreciate where you get and you'll be grateful for every single thing that you have to work for. So, yeah, I just say be grateful and uh, get out there and just do what you freaking can and have fun. Well, I don't know that I can talk that. Uh, that is exactly uh the message that that i think we need to get people out there and just get them on the course and it's a fast growing sport so it's going to be a lot of fun and um i really appreciate you taking the time to get on the the phone with us i know that uh calling in from canada probably wasn't free so i really appreciate that and uh and we look forward to seeing you on course and coming up and seeing you at the farm Yes, please do. We love our visitors. So come hang out. We'll do some uh, some trail running and play on some obstacles and just hang out and have a good time. Does your business need first aid, AED, OSHA, flagging, or other safety training? James Safety Services is your one-stop shop. Find them on Facebook today at James Safety Services WA and ask for a quote on hosting your training needs. Thanks for listening to the BeastNet Podcast. If you haven't done it yet, find us on Facebook like and share the podcast give us a review on itunes or spotify all these things will help to expand the show in the future this show is brought to you by james safety services in partnership with beast ocr don't forget to subscribe and let us know what you think and what you like to hear you can find us on facebook twitter instagram or at beastocr.com